Hey everyone, Ed Helms here. You might know me as Andy from The Office or Stu from The Hangover, or you might know me as the co-founder of BGS. I know, I'm just as surprised as you. They let me co-found something. But here's the thing, we're doing it again. Yeah, this time we're leaping into our other deep love, the vast and vibrant world of country music with something we're calling Good Country. Now this isn't just another newsletter. Think of Good Country as a place. A place where you can explore, learn, and dig into all of what makes country good. Seriously, country music has so much going on these days, and it's coming from so many different deep and soulful places, and we're here to cover all of it. Just as we've done for Bluegrass and Roots Music at BGS for over a decade. So sign up now at goodcountrybgs.substack.com and let us bring you the many sides of country music straight to your inbox. Good country. It's a nice place to be. Well, hello, and thanks for joining us today on Basic Folk, a podcast where we have honest conversations with folk musicians on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. I am the host, Cindy Howes. This is a very special episode of Basic Folk. First of all, it's our 250th episode, which I am so proud of having put out 250 episodes. And thank you so much for following us if you've been listening for a really long time or if you just started listening or if this is your first time listening to Basic Folk. Man, it's been pretty shocking to see how many people are resonating with these conversations so uh, let's say here's to 250 more episodes. All right. The other reason why it's so exciting is that Lizzie Nell, our bestie and work wife, is on today as our guest here on Basic Folk talking about their new album, Half Seas. But before we get into that, I want to talk about ways that we can stay in touch the best way to do it is by signing up for the Basic Folk newsletter that you can do at the link in the show notes, or you can go to our website, basicfolk.com. It's a monthly newsletter. We let you know what's going on uh, with the podcast and also what's going on with our minds and our hearts. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Basic Folk Pod. That's another really great way to keep in touch. Okay. Oh, my God. So excited. Lizzie No, our bestie, has just released their career-defining new record, Half Seas, and we are 100% here for our 250th episode. Lizzie, who, as you may know, co-hosts Basic Folk, put her entire being, identity, and creativity into this project for the past several years. There's a lot going on with their main character, the Avatar Miss Freedom Land, and we're getting to the bottom of it in our conversation. Our hero's journey begins even before the main character is born. Out of disdain for childhood beauty pageants, which Lizzie's mother actually won back in the early 60s at a now-defunct amusement park called Freedom Land, and there are photos of little Catherine Quinlan, a.k.a. Lizzie's mom, with a look of disdain on her five-year-old face. Lizzie grew up with this story, and as she got older, she began to think hard about societal expectations and the stock put into women and children's emotional expression through their faces. Lizzie also grew up hearing and saying the word no— 
hence the stage name. Enter Miss Freedomland, also the name of Lizzie's new record label. She has been tasked with a journey to become free, which will require inner healing, exploration of self-identity, and giving up performance of gender that just feels wrong. The album starts with our main character trying to level up because, yes, this is a video game, with her own self-expression, revisiting past traumas, and shedding the baggage and the hot garbage that got her trapped in the first place. In our conversation, we go track by track through this showstopper of a record and even get some solo live performances. I hope you enjoy exploring Lizzie's world as much as I did. These songs are brilliant and the concept executed remarkably. Thanks to Studio 9 in North Adams, Massachusetts for the use of their beautiful studio. And I am beyond thrilled to present this episode featuring Lizzie No on Basic Folk. Lizzie, no, this is very exciting. Um, we started our friendship through an interview on Basic Folk. You are one of my most dear friends. I am so thrilled to be having this conversation with you on our podcast together. The new album is Half Seas. Are you ready to talk about this thing? I am. I've never been more excited for an interview. I'm not just saying that. I feel like I might cry. Let's try and keep it together, but also if we need some time to cry, let's make time. Great. I just wanted everyone to know how deeply invested I am in this conversation. Great. Shout out to No Depression. Mary Ferguson had an awesome piece on you and the album Half Seas that came out earlier this year. Half Seas came out January 19th. Question about your stage name, Mm -hmm. Lizzie No. It's based on a word that you heard so often as a kid and is a word that you need to say in order to focus on your art, in order to communicate what you say, communicate my life experience to the world, and make me come alive. What has been your evolution with the word no? Um, I feel like the word no is the first word that little babies learn to differentiate themselves. And like there's a little bit of a playfulness and like I know that I'm doing something that maybe I'm not supposed to be doing. Like, you know, when, when kids are like, you know, a year and a half and they're just saying dada and mama and then suddenly they learn no. And it kind of reshuffles everything around them. Like the adults start to be like, oh no, little, little Cindy Lou has developed a personality. And so it's like, it's this sort of like, difficult thing but it's also a delightful thing because you're developing a sense of self um and you're learning how to express what you want and what you don't want Mm -hmm. and also the fact that i'm not just part of the wallpaper i'm a person um so it's a really fun word in that sense and then of course in kind of like a wink wink way i heard lizzie no a lot as a kid Mm. um i mean i think all kids do when you know don't run into the road don't touch the stove all that stuff Mm -hmm. um but then when I was starting my solo project Lizzie no I I was kind of trying to figure out like what fits with my solo project and what doesn't so it's just a process of elimination I 
I think if you're an artist, it can be really overwhelming because there's so many million things that you could do and could even do well mm-hmm. and could enjoy doing, but you have to figure out what it is that you need to do. So you have to say no to everything else. Mm. Such a powerful word. And I will say Lizzie has baseball hats that just say no in capital letters. And I remember the first time I walked into like a public place wearing the hat, it felt very, uh, I don't know, I felt like I was just like announcing myself in mm-hmm. such a way. It's a powerful feeling. Yeah, it it does like, it. it is powerful and it does like take some getting used to and like owning it, mm-hmm. you know, good for you. So in addition to Lizzie No, the character featured on Havsies, Miss Freedomland, is also an avatar you've created for yourself in order to relive really hard things. And it seems like you've separated Lizzie the artist from Lizzie the person. Mm-hmm. Why have you made such moves to separate them? And where are you in your person self possibly joining yourself in your artistry? That's a good question. Okay, there's so many reasons to separate like Lizzie at CVS, Lizzie at home, from Lizzie No on stage or in a song. Part of it is that my personal life is nobody's business. And when you're a woman artist, like we learned, Taylor Swift is such a good example of this. She definitely plays it up. We can talk about that later with all the Easter eggs in the songs. Like, okay, there's this lyric or this image or this series of numbers and inviting fans to like try to sift through the meanings as though a song were like a national treasure hunt for the personal details of someone's life. Like that's my nightmare. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What I want is for people to experience my songs as a world that they can kind of step into. Um, So it's really important for me that people don't get too tripped up trying to figure out what's true and what's not true what the biographical details are in Mm. the songs. Um, And I also think you're a little bit more able to experience empathy when you are experiencing a work of art as like a a work of fiction or a video game, um, as this album feels like to me. Like I want you to step into the virtual reality instead of sitting back behind the screen looking at me, Lizzie. Uh, Yeah, okay. I feel like you just answered my next question so i'll just state instead of asking so half seas is a video game mm-hmm. featuring miss freedom land and miss freedom land like you were just talking about is a character that represents not only you but also your audience that's you dear listener listening to basic folk right now it's you and the songs trace their journey from a place of exile to liberation so let's talk about the origin of Miss Freedom Land. Miss Freedom Land came from the quote unquote Disney of the East, the defunct <laughs> 1960s Americana muse- amusement park Freedom Land that was in the Bronx. Your mom got the honor of a lifetime, really. She won the Miss Freedom Land beauty pageant at five years old. You grew up with this story. So, what has been the evolution of your relationship to your mom being Miss Freedom Land at five years old? Okay, I relate to her more and more and more because she has told this story for years um, that she was a child, you know, beauty queen. 
the photos, the official photos of the event are so wild. And um, in that No Depression piece, they I think they published one of the pictures. She's in this very stiff crinoline dress. So cute. Mm-hmm. I mean, a little dumpling. But like just crying. Because a five-year-old does not want to be in a stiff dress. Like standing on a stage being judged for their beauty. Right. Horrifying. Um, and it's obviously like the work of adults to like put kids in this situation. And mm-hmm. and like I, who can't relate to that feeling of being like, you're, you're being put up on a pedestal, but you're also absolutely miserable. Um, and you're like supposed to smile, but it's sort of the defiance of daring to cry and not smile when people want you to smile. I feel like that's like the the spitfire little girl spirit. That I also I'm trying feel to like that's like the origin of like, they called me a tomboy. I know. you yeah, Being called a t- like, you, you can't be an acceptable girl and also be a fully um, alive human being because the demands of girlhood and womanhood are impossible for anyone to meet. Mm. Unless you're like, like, I can't even get into it. But you, it like part of Lizzie No is saying no to all of the daily um, emotional performing that you have to do as mm. a woman, and instead choosing to be a person <sighs> with their own goals. Yeah, <laughs> I have a follow up question for what you just said. What do you think would happen if women and possibly children stopped performing personality? A few things. And I, I feel like I know specifically because it happens in small ways all the time. Um, most cis men would respond with a violence and a fear that would surprise even them. When you don't perform the emotional script that has been provided to you as a woman men are really rattled by it and even especially liberal men are really rattled by it mm. um just take for example like if you're on a date and a man makes a joke that you don't find funny and you don't laugh and you just sit with a neutral expression like every woman listening to this can picture the skin prickling tension yes that happens when you yeah. do that and so i think i have and a lot of you know women who want freedom have experimented in just being a person and trying to cut down on the ways in which we perform for patriarchy and it feels really good and it's really energizing because it's so exhausting to do these performances to smile to step out of the way on the sidewalk a friend of mine did a sociological experiment in our 20s where she didn't get out of the way didn't get out of people's way if they were coming right towards her on the sidewalk. Um, And a lot of people would just walk straight into her because people are so accustomed to women stepping out of the way. Like when I'm at a concert and people need to get through a crowd, they almost always bump into me. And I notice this if I'm like standing next to a man, the man doesn't get bumped into, I get bumped into. Because people just subconsciously expect women to get out of the way. Mm. Okay, so these are like the small little day-to-day examples but there are bigger examples like I have found that some of my working relationships romantic relationships friendship relationships all different kinds of relationships have been deeply affected by 
my choice to come alive as a gender-free human being. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of men just get used to being catered to in these small and big ways. And even if intellectually they believe in gender freedom and equality, they're, in a practical sense, completely unprepared to deal with women as equals um, and to contend with our humanity. without the filter of of feminine performance. Mm. Uh, wow. Um, one more comment about Miss the picture of Miss Freedomland, of uh, Catherine Quinlan mm-hmm. as five-year-old Miss Freedomland. It really reminds me of that picture that we've shared on the Basic Folk Instagram of young Lizzie at your aunt's wedding. Mm-hmm. Crying. Crying. Crying at the wedding. At. Yeah. That's all. You know, it's a it's an important motif. There's a reason that the worst men on the street will tell you to smile. It's like very soothing for men when you smile through the pain and when you just don't and you let your face do what it does. Mm. Whoo boy. Yeah, people think it's like especially with children, like mm-hmm. people think it's hilarious because Yes. So at the time on our social media, when we've shared that picture of Lizzie getting yelled at by her aunts at her wedding, we've also juxtapositioned a picture of me as as like probably around the same age, like I think like seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I had just like gotten last place in the 4-H show. And I'm it so was like sorry, raining Cindy. and my face was just, you know, my dad is handing me the ribbon mm-hmm. and I'm like, my parents think this picture is hilarious. And it like is now in mm-hmm. retrospect, but at the time I was really upset. Well, yeah, I think you learn as a little girl, as, if you're socialized as a girl, you learn at a young age that a lot of people, particularly adults, are paying attention to what you look like and to the expressions that you're making with your face. Um, I've always been extremely aware of that. Um, and I think it's doubled and tripled when you're a woman of color. People are mm. really noticing how you react to things. Like, you know that whole trend of reaction gifts where like on the internet, if something happens, someone will put, you know, tweet a gif in response of someone like clapping or laughing or frowning or whatever the emotion is. I mean, black women are way overrepresented in those gifts oh. because people look at black women's faces as more emotional, more expressive, often more angry, more reactive. And so people are noticing how we react to situations and doing with that what they want. You know, wow. often it's used against us. Often it's played for laughs. Mm. Um, rarely is there room for complexity. Mm. So, yeah, those pictures actually, I think, speak volumes because who knows? Like in that picture of the wedding, I bet my aunt was just like talking to me, right? Like mm-hmm. who, like truly who knows what's happening, but the expressions on women's faces are something that we take a lot of stock in. Mm. Um, and they tell an emotional story. Wow. Speaking of emotional stories, let's get into this album, Half Seas. What I'd like to do is go through each song track by track. And, and let's talk about what's happening with Miss Freedomland on her journey from exile to freedom what's happening in the video game, like what level are we on? What has the character done to reach each level? And I do have like some specific questions. Mm -hmm. Lizzie wrote an incredible track by track um, that I'm gonna be quoting from. You ready? I think so, I'm nervous, I'm I'm ready. Spaceman wave from an asteroid. Paul Simon wave from Queens. I'm watching the headlines scroll. Half full 
The title track starts the record off, Half Seas. Lizzie wrote in her track by track, Picture Jackson Pollock in an empty airplane hangar, preparing a canvas with basket-woven strips of blue tape. I imagine painter's tape. Mm -hmm. Before he begins creating a universe of color on top, he's putting those pieces of tape over. Once the paint dries, he pulls the tape away, leaving strips of stark white right up against the chaos. This is the experience of remembering a life warped by trauma. I feel like that statement and starting the record off with something like this relates to the album cover, which is a picture of you as Miss Freedomland surrounded by beautiful chaos. Mm -hmm. Does that sound right? Okay. You also wrote, this is where you place all the most shameful pieces of yourself. This is where the game begins. Let's talk about Miss Freedomland's state of mind facing Mm -hmm. the shame head on. Um, Okay, first I want to give a shout out to Christina Graham, the unbelievable painter who created the, this painting that, um, that you see pieces of in the album packaging. So there's, there's like some tricky mental uh, Olympics that I was trying to do to make sense of these songs. I think a lot of them came to me in pieces over the past five or six years and I didn't always know what I was sort of channeling and I still probably don't know the full extent of what the album is about Um, so it makes it tricky to talk about but that's also what makes it exciting to me because it's something that I'm living with um, over time and learning and using to learn more about myself so Havzi starts the, the way that I picture it is that you're either at Freedom Land or Coney Island it's an old school roller coaster and you are on a track. So you can feel like violent shaking, but there is also a containedness hmm. to it and you are headed forward, like it or not. Um, I wanted the arrangement to reflect this sense that I had in my own life of off, like it's the feeling of when you're in the movies and it's a really loud scene and then suddenly it's silent and you kind of have a ringing in your ears because it was chaos, and then all of a sudden it's silent. Um, Often good taste and audience enjoyment dictate that you should have transitions, like you should build up to a chorus and then you should fade down. And on Havsies, I wanted to not do that, like deliberately have it be extremely loud and chaotic and dissonant, and then suddenly it's just a very thin vocal and acoustic guitar sound. So I was trying to recreate a psychological experience of almost waking up from a nightmare Mm. in the song. song sleeping in the next room takes place in this underwater cave where mm-hmm. half seas began um miss freedom land is in the underwater cave and admits to herself i'm not who i was and here she envisions the reckless path leading away from home so she's leaving this seems like the moment mm-hmm. that she decides to leave 
Yes, this is the part of the hero's journey where our hero kind of looks around and realizes that they are not yet living their their mission and they need to, you know, pack their things and go. Um, the underwater cave is a really tender image for me and I'm really grateful to Sadie Dupuy and Kate Victor for vocalizing those like mermaid gentle mm. chorus of voices like, the, like sirens almost mm-hmm. it's sirens and for me I know that sirens like as an image of for sailors is very scary but for the girlies like we're having a good time <laughs> there like when you're just like singing in harmony that, the, for me that that just evokes such comforting memories and I I wanted that song to feel like it was a safe place for me to admit that I was changing and that I was changing in ways that might be inconvenient for other people, particularly for men. So it's a very feminine space. It's sort of subterranean. I'm a Scorpio. Um, On my last album, Vanity, I have this song called Loyalty. That also takes place in that cave, Mm. you know, shoveling dirt into the mouth of the cave. Like I'm kind of revisiting this safe, tender place um, throughout my work because it's really, really comforting. Hmm. And it's like a place where you can discover hard things and admit them because you're not physically under threat. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not in the chaos. You're in your heart-spirit reflection zone. It seems like the next song you are hitting the ground running, you're like, I'm, I'm leaving, and then you don't need to think about it anymore. Um, La Guadita is the next song we're talking about, and Lizzie says about this song, if you want to be great, you have to insist upon it. If you want mercy, you must grab it with both hands, which is amazingly hard to learn in life. So congratulations for figuring it out and writing it down. L-O-L, Cindy. I'm trying. (laughs) So in Lagunita, you're taking your street racer to outer space Mm -hmm. to win. So what is Miss Freedom Land up to in this song? So Miss Freedom Land has come to some important realizations in the previous... This feels like a new level. Mm -hmm. So she was underground in the safe spirit cave, sort of like getting a sense of her needs and her journey and her goals. And then in Lagunita, she barely has a chance to even gather herself before she's like back in the thick of battle. Um, I always imagined this as like, you kind of just like wake up from a dream where you're trying to, you know, figure out some spiritual stuff, but then suddenly you're in a very practical sense, like fighting for your life Mm. or motorcycle racing. And you are learning as you go how to even operate the machinery. That's where the video game metaphor really comes in because I liked this idea that, um, you don't even totally know what you're doing, but you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've had that feeling so much in life Yeah, yeah. where you're like, I'm feeling scrappy. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing it. Right. So I can definitely, as, as your friend, I can definitely see the real Lizzie in these songs because I've seen you in these moments where you're like, you know, barely have your coat on and all of a sudden you're like out the door, like, you know, starring in, a, in the movie that is your life and like nailing it, you know? Thank you. Yeah. It's cool. My That's the hope. watering. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I want to talk about the Heartbreak Store, and I want to know if you'd like to play it. I would love to play it. And then we can talk about it. The cashier knows the drill. I came to sell all the hurt I couldn't keep. And she gives me that box to fill. Don't know who's buying what I'm selling cheap. If I can't fall out of love At least I'll set it down So if you're hurting, crying, lying on the bedroom floor Come on down to the heartbreak store Bring your memories, his house keys Can't stay on the ring no more Sell them all Break store. Remember that bar on the Bowery and making out in the taxi headed home. I'm selling all the pictures that you took of me. Cause it tears me up to see them. thinking about a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about Lagunita but I think the heartbreak store really plays into it because in thinking about like that comment about like you barely have your coat on but then you're out the door and you're totally fighting there's still this like need to take a minute and deal with the storm that's going on in your head Mm -hmm. and I feel like putting the heartbreak store at this point in the record is such a great move because you need like a respite mm-hmm. for a moment. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the sequencing of this album is very intentional and there are a few different ways that it could have gone. When I think about 
what it takes to get free, especially, again, like through this feminist lens that I think we're bringing. I feel like most women I know have an experience where they've been working and working and working to perform and to execute and to please everyone else. And then things sort of fall apart a little bit in some way or another, in a big way or a small way. And like partying can actually be a really important step towards getting free because it shows you where you need to fall apart. And those experiences of being silly and doing the wrong thing and being on the dance floor, like in community with Mm. other women and Mm -hmm. in community with queer people, Mm -hmm. like for me, those experiences have been so important. Um, And like, I'm not a big like go to the club person these days, but I do think that there's something really, really special in like when you're feeling absolutely terrible Mm. um, and like things have gone absolutely the worst they could have gone um to like call up your friends and go to the bar and that's what this song is about Mm. because like it's about those late night talks where you're like oh I just don't know how I'm gonna like get up and go to work tomorrow or like oh I'm so heartbroken and there's a silliness and a flow to it and often line dancing comes with it Mm. for me (laughs) I know that you found queer community and also inspiration in touring with a crew of queer country artists in 2022, led by the amazing and late Patrick Haggerty of Lavender Country. How do you see his legacy in your expression? Patrick was so fearless. I'm never going to forget this night early on in the Roundup tour. We were all staying with Paisley Fields and their parents. They were so nice. We went and stayed in Iowa. Um... And I remember we we had a day off and Jack, one of the band members, got food poisoning from some gas station um, yogurt. And so we were all just kind of like staying put for a day and he was like being sick in the basement. I'm sorry to reveal this. Sorry, Jack. Um, (laughs) It's important to the narrative. But the rest of us were sitting up like just talking and kind of, you know, making sure he was going to be okay, but just waiting the day out. And... I sat in the living room with Austin Lucas and Paisley and Antonia and Patrick and and Patrick was, we kind of took that as a moment to just ask Patrick about his life. And I think what really struck me was that he didn't stumble into this sort of outlaw identity. He knew what he was doing from the beginning. He released a song called Crying These Cocksucking Tears in 1972 I think you can fact check me on the year but he knew it was going to ruffle feathers and he also knew that he had to do it and that there was no other way to be an authentic artist other than to say exactly what his life experience was what his politics were what he wanted what he believed in what he found fun like he just was about 100% truth um and that's a really radical idea when you're a queer person Mm in a country that's hostile to your survival. So he kind of, I mean, he was blacklisted on the radio. Nobody in Nashville would touch him with a 10-foot pole. And he expected that to happen. He knew he knew what was going to happen. But he also knew that he had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he I, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, everyone that performs wants to be accepted and you know, to share their music with a broad audience, but he was more interested in doing the work of liberation. So when he couldn't, you know, get on the radio or get a record deal, he became a social worker and 
um, raised a family and protested all kinds of injustice and just did the work of living. And then years later, people came back around and a new generation was actually really ready to hear and embrace what he had to say. But just that sense of like, I know this may not go well for me because of the way that the world is, but I have to do it Mm. because I have to be free more than I have to be liked is what I learned from Patrick. And, And living that way brings people to you. It brings your people to you. It pushes away a lot of people, but it brings the important ones close to you. Mm. Amazing. Um, also, if you have not listened, Lizzie got a chance to interview Patrick Haggerty and his husband um, on Basic Folk. Love you, JB. The next song on Half Seas is Deadbeat, and Lizzie says, it belongs to the strong souls whose families fucked them up who love bluegrass and Minnie Ripperton, who are generally who are genuinely trying to do right by the people they love without being annoying about it. I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> I have a hard time with this song because the narrator is not kind to themselves in this song. Here's a, an example line. You're a damn fool, true believer. You take me as I am. What is the progress in the journey for the song Deadbeat? This song is really spoken from um boy lizzie um like fuck boy lizzie (laughs) gender is a spectrum do you want to quickly explain what that is (laughs) a fuck boy is someone who is really pretty and really fun and doesn't really take a lot of care with other people's feelings Mm. um Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. And I have a streak. I mean, many of us have a streak of that selfish. I'm going to do what I want. You know, um, I'm a lone wolf cowboy. And it's right. No, my wife's no, absolutely not. not. You guys, you guys are actually really good people. Um, (laughs) but it's also a very American story. It's something that I was sort of writing about in my song outlaws two albums ago. Mm -hmm. It's a streak that I see in a lot of Americana, where um, moral accountability is the exclusive territory of men and we're not as able to like get behind it when it comes from women so I do think it's interesting to do the self-deprecating thing like think about the Miranda Lambert song Vice and how and like juxtaposing that against maybe a lot of Jason Isbell's work which is this really honest self-examination of wrongs done like here's how I've changed here's how I'm trying to show up now um both incredible iconic American songwriters and performers but I just think we 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 tend to interpret it differently when it comes to women Mm. so it felt good to step into like a how would I write a song if I were a man I would say like I've put you through I've put you through hell and you're just an angel. Like we all love those country songs, but you're also like, what's going on? Why don't you just try to make better choices? Yeah. You know, why don't you just like do better in your life instead of talking about it? And that's where like, that's where you love someone like Jason Isbell. Cause he's not just like sitting in the self pity. Okay. He's like, I've done some wrong things and I'm trying to do better. Accountability. There's a lot of, I'm not even going to name the many country songs that do this wrong in my opinion, where mm. it's like, I'm just a, I'm just a bad boy who's stumbled in off the streets with dirt on my shoes and you're just an angel on Sunday morning pulling me through. Like I wanted to write that song, but in a way that felt actually authentic and real to me. 
um, as someone that's genuinely trying to like be a better person. Mm. Um, but yeah, there is a, there is a really unkind voice in that song. And that's true in my life. I mean, I am extremely hard on myself and I think I've had to be to make it to where I am now. You have to be really, really self-critical to like perform in the ways that society wants you to perform. Mm. And I'm letting go of a lot of that now. And sometimes it feels really good to sing that song because that's not how I talk to myself now. Do you want to sing it now? Sure. I'm a deadbeat, dead ringer for a bad luck man. Oh, I'm dead set on doing better than my daddy ever did. I'm I'm a bad 
The next song on Half Seas is a song called Done, and it takes place in a specific location. It takes place in the Catskills, on the way to the Catskills. So when we think about Miss Freedomland in this song, Miss Freedomland is on the way to the Catskills, which I feel like represents a, like a beloved spot of uh, spiritual renewal. However, she is called back into her old, her old life. Something truly annoying is calling her mm-hmm. back into her old life. In the song Done, how does Miss Freedomland deal with that juxtaposition? Okay, so this for me is so literal. Picture you're driving out of New York City. Um, you have your GPS on. You've accidentally turned on the setting in Google Maps where you avoid tolls. So the trip is taking many hours longer than it really should, (laughs) and you're taking all kinds of side roads. So like in the metaphor of the video game, you really are on like a wild goose chase trying to get out of New York, and you're taking side roads, and you're going through neighborhoods that are sort of unfamiliar, and you're experiencing the world both through the windshield, watching urban settings give way to forest and you're also looking at that little screen on your car where it's showing you the directions where you're seeing your journey as if from a bird's eye view um and you're seeing how it's like going in a really weird direction but you're kind of still heading north vaguely um as you're looking at that screen a text message pops up from your ex which is just literally reminding you of what you're leaving behind Mm -hmm. and of course there's a little bit of a pang of like should I text back what are they saying you're mentally then suddenly you're back in the city you're back in the chaos you're back in the conflict even though you're trying to get to like a a vacation or a spiritual moment or a moment of peace and so you have to swipe away the texts and stay focused on the journey hmm wow we just my wife and I just drove out here to um from Portland Maine Mm -hmm to uh, Dalton, Massachusetts, and then North Adams. And I can see the, so there's no direct route, you know, mm-hmm. once you get off of 91. Uh, so I can see the little squiggle lines mm-hmm. where it's like no longer a straight line, but it's just like, and you're having to like, you're like, why am I on a one lane country road on this like journey, this interstate journey, this something seems to have gone wrong, but it's also, that's part of the adventure, of course. I love that Miss Freedomland and actual Lizzie No can just swipe it away. Mm-hmm. And picture in the game version, it's like pop-ups. We all have pop-ups in our life. Yeah. When we're trying to get to where we're going, it's like little flashes of distraction and annoyance and pain and whatever that you have stay to swipe away to stay on your It's like your meditative. Mm-hmm. Do you want to play it? I would love to play it. I'm done, baby, I'm done We had a little history, we had a lot of fun It's hard to push a tire swing when you're sitting on one But I got down, felt the hard ground And I'm done We're through 
leaves changed while I waited for the right thing to do. Driving through the Catskills, I'm not thinking about you. I saw a storm cloud, I'm headed home now. And we're through. Half of all my dreams are braided still into your black hair. It took more than time to pull them free, along with myself, along with myself, along with myself. Morning Dove Waltz on the album is my favorite song. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. It came on for the first time I heard it and I was like, Carol King, Randy Newman. It sounds like New York. Thank you. I was definitely in a Carol King moment when I wrote that. And you are a very astute listener because it really does sound like New York. And here is why. Um, In the lockdown of 2020, my manager at the time, Gabe Barreto, shout out to Gabe, and his wife Tabitha and I were like a quarantine bubble together. They really did a great job of setting up like the best recording setup possible in a New York apartment so that we could continue. Cause I have, was like writing all these songs for this album, but we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. So I would go to their apartment and sit in the closet and sing and record. And like, I would play harp and acoustic guitar and sing all the harmonies into I just I have so many memories because I spent so many hours staring into Tabitha's dresses like sitting in her closet (laughs) singing these songs and so a lot of the early demos have street noise in them and car horns and all of that and Mm. Morning Dove Waltz is one where we decided to keep the original audio instead of redoing it you in the studio. You can hear the noises. Ah! Yeah, I mean, I tried <laughs> to sing it again. You always try to beat your demo. Yeah. And most of the time you do because the demo is just like, you're not thinking too hard about mm-hmm. how to sing it. But we just kept coming back to that demo and, and it felt like that was the most, it felt like that was the most authentic performance of the song. Mm-hmm. So we just kept that vocal. Um, and Graham Richmond had this like huge sonic vision for what it could become with the orchestrated strings and the piano. And um, we ended up actually taking the the rhythmic harp out. So it just feels really ethereal and floaty. Mm. And um, I mean, I could, I could go on about it, but yeah, it, it really just is about like creating that floaty feeling that a lot of us had at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I think of like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the animated show, The Critic. No, I haven't. Um, It's John Lovitz, and he's like a film critic in Mm -hmm. New York, but it has those very like New York kind of soundscapes in it, those like Randy Newman, Carole King um, type of like cinematic orchestral sounds, and it, it really just like definitely puts you in like a... Dare I say Billy Joel, New York State of Mind. Oh, I love I it. apologize in I advance for saying that. Send a copy out to the Brill Building. Okay, yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Let's send it over there. Um, would you please play that one? Been sober a year now 
I wake up too early, put on the coffee and listen to it drip down. The bird in my window calls to her children. I guess I've been better. I know I've been worse, but I gave up on wishing. I don't go to church. I just keep my head down and turn up radio I lost you for good today You gave me that look but I asked you to pack up and sleep at your own place Sometimes the heart breaks around the neck But I gave up on wishing I don't go to church I just keep my head down And turn up the radio I was there when you were born But now you're grown You don't recognize The next song, Annie Oakley, seems to encapsulate some danger for Miss Freedomland on the road in order to get to the next level. She must sing the new classics to her people. That's how she gets to the next level, but she also needs to carry a knife. And it seems like here is a good time to talk about that little girl fighting spirit, which you felt when you looked at how miserable your mom was as a five-year-old as Miss Freedomland. And you say, it's a reminder for me to keep that really defiant, fighting little girl spirit, even, even, even as you go into professional spaces, and it's going to take that little girl fighting spirit to get free. Great quote from the No Depression article. How is that spirit doing in this Annie Oakley song? How is Miss Freedomland um, encapsulating her in Annie Oakley? Okay, so this song to me... It's really important to me that it's part of a tradition of Americana, rock, on the road, on my last dime songs. There are a lot of them. Maybe we should make a playlist of the I'm on the road and I'm on my last dime. Gillian Welch has that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like a lot of people have them and um, I feel like 49 Winchester has some, has a mm. really good one. Um, if like a lot of the ones that people really turn to are by white people. And I'm really conscious about the tradition that I'm working in that for me is like a very black experience of travel. Um, but the, but the, but the Americana canon doesn't yet recognize that. When we think about bands on the road, it's a very white and it's a very male um, picture that we see in this genre. Um, but but my experiences are are my experiences, and like for me, it's not just you know had a couple of drinks last night and a few good hits of an antler pipe. Like it's it's that it's all of the like highs and lows of being on stage and being on the road, and it's also the fear that someone's gonna notice or someone's gonna overhear the room number of my hotel and come hurt me because I'm mm. if I'm traveling solo as a woman there's a whole other level of danger that exists and a whole other level of awareness that I have to have and that's where it starts to feel like a video game where I think a lot of women can relate to the experience of being in a new and unfamiliar situation and trying to use your spidey senses to detect where's the exit where's the danger um, so Annie Oakley has that consciousness and also, I'm not just trying to survive. I have a massive ego. I'm trying to be the next Lucinda Williams mm. in the song. You know, that's what Miss Freedomland is is up to. Like, she's like, I am dressed in rags and I have only a quarter tank of gas, but I'm also the greatest to ever do it. Mm. I'm King Arthur. You know what I mean? Like, wow. yeah. so you're like, your circumstances are very humble, but your ambitions are huge. Mm. And that's why I just very consciously compare myself to the greatest songwriters. I love to go on stage and say like, I'm the new Bob Dylan because <laughs> it feels fun to say that with confidence. And it also ruffles white people's feathers because people are very comfortable comparing me to Tracy Chapman, who is a monster songwriter, but they're not yet ready to admit that I might be the next Bruce Springsteen, you know, like yeah. they're not ready. I'm the boss, but they're not ready to admit that. <laughs> Shield and Sword. About this song you wrote, too much romance is steeped with conflict. Maturity can look like walking away, even though it still feels good some of the time. I don't want to look back on my life and realize I wasted my youth fighting with people who are supposed to love me. How has that concept of escape or leaving versus staying to make a change evolved for you? This feels like that moment when Oprah said to Meghan Markle, were you silent or were you silenced? Um, I no longer fight with men. I don't do it. If I have a conflict with a female friend or a non-binary friend, like we will work it out. Cis men do not receive <laughs> any more of my conflict energy because they will suck you dry. And I've learned this professionally and I've learned this personally. Um, a lot of the emotional performance that we've talked about of being a woman is giving men endless understanding and second chances and let's talk it out and let's really go 
let's really do the mud wrestle of emotional arguing. And I've done this with my friends. I've done, I mean, this is like such a pattern in my life and in a lot of my female friends' lives where it's like, it's so conflicted and you're spending a ton of your time trying to figure out what's going on or like, why isn't my boss like treating me like I'm supposed to be treated? And you, and you do all of this work on your own to try to mm. figure it out and make it okay for everyone. Instead yep. of just like doing the simple thing, which is just to s- hang up the phone. Um, and so just putting it down, you know, if I can't fall out of love, at least I'll set it down. Not needing closure anymore has been the most freeing thing in my life. Closure is me walking away. Like, I don't need to understand why you did the thing you did. I don't even necessarily need to know why I did the things I did just yet. You know, apologies Mm. and and closure can be great, but it can also just be really good to say, I'm not going to fight anymore. You know, the Bible says, like, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And I feel that way about interpersonal conflict and workplace conflict. Like, I, I think sometimes you just need to walk away. Getaway car. Here's what Lizzie has to say about getaway car. There are no friends like the friends who let you sleep on their couch in your broke as hell 20s. There's no bond like the camaraderie of roommates who have battled a rat infestation with hardware store traps in the very last scrap of their sanity. (laughs) Uh, I had a similar situation, but with like mold. Yes. Moldy mildew. Or no, wait, not mold. It was uh, uh, little like gnat bugs because the bread was too old in the cupboard. And we talked about this at the show last night at Mass Mocha. Eliza Edens, the wonderful Eliza Edens, talked about a song that was inspired by a, a cockroach infestation in their apartment. And if you've lived with vermin in some way or another, you know that icky feeling that you've lost all control of your life and your surroundings. Um... And it's the worst and no one should have to deal with it. But at the same time, like if it's a temporary situation where you're just trying to find a job and the next phase of your life and your best friend is beside you, it can be a real bonding experience. Mm. Um, So I definitely had one of those in my early 20s in Palo Alto with my friend Hannah Rose. I was like trying to find a place to live in the Bay Area and... She, God bless her, let me share her bedroom for like over a month in this really cute house that was overrun with rats. Wow. Oh, I sat down by the river beside the one I love. We hanged harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. The song Babylon, you said, to be black in America is to be a stranger in a strange land. Many of us are so afraid to be free that we choose to get comfortable with bondage. But Nina cried power and Tony told the ghost stories so that Miss Freedom Land would have a map to somewhere new. Wow, who wrote that? That's, uh, that's, Elizabeth, no. Hard hitting. 
You have talked about this before on the podcast briefly, and I would love to hear you expand on how you are in conversation with artists like Toni Morrison and Nina Simone. I want to start by talking about a co-writing session that I did with Adia Victoria um, a couple of months ago. We started writing about the Middle Passage, and I think that there's a lot of... It's, it's really hard to translate the feeling of being misplaced that a lot of Black Americans have. Um, we literally don't... A lot of us literally do not know our own surnames, we don't know how many generations have lived in this country of our families. We don't know where our families are from. Um, and that's true of a lot of people in America, but that I was brought here, my people were brought here against our will and our history was forcibly erased is a really cosmically violent experience to have. Um, and like, you know, Superman was probably black because of that experience of having crash landed on Earth I think mm -hmm. Junot Diaz talks about that a lot, that there's something very sci-fi about being a person of color in America because the things that white people imagine as like so supernatural and impossible have regularly happened to us. Um, natural disasters, man-made disasters have been visited upon us. So we have the ability to imagine and articulate um, worlds that only we can describe. That's why I love Toni Morrison. I mean, Beloved is like the American novel and it's because it's both real and magical. It's about people, everyday people trying to make it from slavery to freedom. It's in that transitional time in history, living with the literal scars of the past and the psychic scars of white supremacist violence. Um, and a lot of us are still living with that today. I would say our whole country is living with that today mm. still. Um, because it's not just that we need to get jobs and we need to get affordable housing and we need to get the hell out of Gaza and we need to get our city budgets back into the libraries, right? Mm. So kids can learn to read. Um, it's also that we need to understand who we are and reckon with the fact that we're not supposed to be here. Unless we're indigenous to this country, we are not supposed to be here. And it's wrong and incorrect that we're here. Mm. So our job is to heal that in ourselves and as a society. What that's going to take is a revolution of the working class and a revolution within where we like don't try to smooth it over and we and we let the flaws and the worst of the history come to the forefront and kind of like the Indigo Girls said, like get a hammer and a nail, learn how to use our hands, get messy in the work of healing and building a real just world that like children can live in. Mm. You know, because we live in such a harsh world a lot of the time. Like that's what Annie Oakley's about. That's what Lagunita's about. Having to fight for your life as like a tender human being. I want a world where sensitive little girls like me don't have to put on armor every day. Like where kids can be creative and soft and queer and weird and different and like grow up gently. Hmm. Born on salty water, babies sing new songs. They feel no shame and they fear no pain away from Babylon, away from Babylon. We're at the end of the album. 
what is the state of Miss Freedomland's freedom? What's exciting is that she makes the choice to step onto the boat to the next place. And I think it's sort of to be determined Mm. what happens next. It seems like it ends on a hopeful Mm -hmm. note. A lot of the inner healing has happened. She probably went to a lot of therapy, but then she also physically removed herself from situations of violence. Mm. She got on the boat and she left. And that part is really important. Like we need to, we need to do self-care and we need to abolish the police. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like we have to do it within and we have to do it outside as well. Mm. We have a few minutes left, and I do want to talk about um, Abortion Care Tennessee. Yes! You are the board president Mm -hmm. of Abortion Care Tennessee, which is unapologetically pro-abortion. It says on the website, we believe in everyone's right to access the care they need when and where they need it. Mm -hmm. You also just recently moved to Nashville, which is an entire episode in itself on a future basic folk after you've been there for some time but how does it feel to be in the same state as act it is so dope i love the community that is abortion care tennessee our staff our board our volunteers people that like show up to our events that donate the people that access care through our grants like to me it's like it's it's a community of people that are just doing the everyday work mm. um, of making people more free. And um, I was so excited to, to join the board of ACT when I lived in Brooklyn. And then when the opportunity came to move to Nashville, I jumped at it because I want to be where we're doing the work. Mm. Um, and there are so many people that don't even have, you know, an official role within ACT or... Um, with any like recognized organization who are doing really important, courageous work towards reproductive justice. Um, and it's humbling to be a part of it. Mm. Because so much, I mean, there's a lot of risk and there's a lot of people that I have gotten the chance to get to know who, are, who have taken on such personal risk mm. to defend the right to an abortion and defend the right to like raise kids in a safe community, right? Like reproductive justice is not just about the right to have an abortion, it's about the right to parent how you want and to parent children in like a free and safe society. So that's what we're trying to do. Okay, let's end with the lightning round. It is a game Lizzie knows how to play because she invented the game. It's called Which One? And this is Miss Freedomland versus Lizzie. And I want to uh, have the real Lizzie. Okay. Versus Lizzie No. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Who shops at the thrift store? Real Lizzie. Who is the better friend? Miss Freedomland. Who is stopping to pet every dog? Miss Freedomland. Wow. Surprised. Yes. Okay. Who is handwriting letters? Real Lizzie. Who is taking the trash out every week? Miss Freedomland. Who is using a Bluetooth speaker at the beach? If it's working, 
It's Miss Freedomland. If they're just like trying to connect, it's Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the last one. Who is writing the great American novel? Real Lizzie. Yes. Lizzie, no, we did it. This was so wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me. I just like, I have no words to express you. Cindy, I have no words to express you. (laughs) Well, let's just leave it at that. All right, we're done. This episode of Basic Folk was produced by C.J. Nungesser. It was engineered by Patrick Tech and Dave Dennison at Studio 9. Our music composed by Alex Stanton. Basic Folk is on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can find all of our episodes there, wherever you get podcasts. You can also find us on the SiriusXM app by searching for Basic Folk, or you can go to our website, basicfolk.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I would suggest sharing it with your work wife or your bestie and say, look at these two besties hanging out. One bestie has released the album of a lifetime and the other bestie gets to sit there and talk about it with her. Can you imagine that for us as besties and work wives? It's possible. All right. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Go listen to Lizzie Knows album if you haven't already. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.